0: Good morning, man. What a great uh, time in worship together. I just just love uh, being here and doing this with you. Um, I know. So do you ever have one of those times that you kind of enter into your day and you feel kind of numb? Numb toward God, numb toward other people, numb toward life. Anybody have that ever going on? Good. A few human people here. That's right. But it's good to come together, right? And just Encourage one another in this in a good way. So I'm really uh, <clears throat> totally excited about um, what we're going to uh, share together today uh, from, from the Scriptures. We invite the Holy Spirit, right, to come and speak to us through, through the Word of God, right? So I just want to tell you, the most important thing is not the words that I speak, but the words that God speaks to your heart uh, out, out of the Scriptures, right? And how He, like, ignites something new in you, uh, to help you in, in your life as a follower of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, I like how the, the declaration, uh, the new declaration stated at the end, you are the way, you are the way, you are the way, right? <clears throat> the Greek word for that is hodos. <clears throat> you are the way, you're the way. It's like you're the, you're the path, you're the way. It's interesting when it talks about walking with Jesus, that we are to walk as Jesus walked. It's, it's 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 a where it means that we're like to put one foot in front of the other. We're to we're we're to walk around in the environment of the presence of Jesus in our world. We're to walk in step with Him, right? And so He is the way, and we want to learn that uh, even better as followers of Christ. So in this uh, <clears throat> whole series, I don't know what's wrong. I have this frog in my throat. That's a really a bad mental picture, isn't it? So uh, we've been talking about under Made for More that we want to escape from the myth of scarcity. That in our culture, um, a culture driven by fear, by unbelief, and by insignificance, uh, those strongholds fortress this myth of scarcity. That there just isn't enough. There just isn't enough. There's not enough. There's not, there's not enough there's 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 not enough like like love and healing and and all that. There's just not enough, right? And we, we think actually there isn't enough. Now we know there isn't displayed enough, but is it true that there isn't enough? Um today we're going to talk about the issue of time. We always there's not enough time. There's not how many of you feel the time crunch? Just go ahead, raise your hand. All all hands went up at least internally i know they did cuz there's just not enough time there's not enough time and so if we want if we want to come against this myth of scarcity and enter into the arena of god's abundance then we need to come to understand that god really does have an abundance and we can become fiercely generous fiercely generous in the way we give our lives away in love because we are receiving so much love, the way in which we give our time away because we have enough time to do the whole will of God in a given day. Uh, We could just stop right there and go, no, I don't think so. Right? But we'll make that assertion for right now and see where where it ends up today. We have enough resources. I mean, it says in the scriptures that Jesus Christ was rich yet for your sakes he became poor so that he through so that you through his poverty might become rich so that you can be rich on every occasion to be generous on every occasion so there's there really is an abundance of love coming from the fathers and as an abundance of time to fulfill the father's will there's an abundance of resources to get God's will done and um, but that that flies in the face of the scarcity that we usually, you know, kind of, we live within that environment, that culture that says there isn't enough or that you, you, you got to have more and that God is not enough. So we're going to be talking about the abundance of time today and next week just uh, on, on the issue of expanding our missional availability, expanding the, our availability to be to be used by god because most a lot of times i just hear people say i just i don't have enough time there's none i don't have enough time i don't have enough time but i want to say to you there is enough time there is enough time so to get us started in this um i just might say as an introduction again that this myth of scarcity plagues our understanding of time. What is important gets squeezed out by what is urgent and meaningless or meaningless. The voices of culture bind us up in fear, unbelief, and insignificance. And the Word of God, and Jesus in particular, has something to say to us. Let's get the setting just a little more. Our culture of anxiety and hurry, we live in that. I, before I even uh, <clears throat> kind of settle in the direction of this message... When I began the new year, just as I was spending some time trying to listen uh, to God and just being quiet, um, quieting my mind, my heart, which I have to just really work at, um, I felt like that my, my word for the year needed to be the word unhurried, unhurried, unhurried. My wife knows that this is an issue in my life. So as soon as I say my word for the year is unhurried, I got somebody that's going to be coaching me or reminding me or telling me, slow down, all right? Unhurried, unhurried. So in in trying to understand this a bit, I want to to credit the teachings of Jesus because they're amazing. I also want to credit uh, John Mark Comer, who has written a book entitled The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry and I'm indebted to his research. So I, I want to, I, I, again, give us some setting for this so we can, I can draw everybody into this, uh, the very pertinent and relevant word of Jesus. Uh, the number one problem you will face is time. People are just too busy to live emotionally healthy and spiritually rich and vibrant lives. People also say, I always say, I'm, I'm just, I'm busy i'm busy people will talk to me and they will say to me I, I know you're busy but you know and i've had to say if maybe you've heard me say back to you busyness is not a virtue busy is not a virtue say it with me busy is not a virtue it's not although a lot of times it becomes a, a badge of importance or significance um The problem isn't when you have a lot to do we all have a lot to do the problem is when you have too much to do and the only way to fulfill it is like to hurry 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 and a a lot of times the problem is related in 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 some some misplacement of priorities for us there's a great conversation that happened well documented now uh, between john ordberg a presbyterian pastor and a scholar by the name of dallas willard who has since Uh, gone to be with jesus in heaven he asked the question of dallas willard john asked what must i do to become the person i want to be the person god intends for me to be and the answer was you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life so after some discussion uh, dallas willard said this there is nothing else hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Write that down, because it'll be one of the hardest things that you've ever tried to tackle. You must ruth- ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Corey Ten Boom. You guys know that name? Corey Ten Boom? Uh, and just this last week, there was a celebration, what, 75 years since the Holocaust? Something like that. And there were these survivors, some of them still alive, were going back. They were children in the concentration camps. At, some of them actually getting ready to walk into the gas chambers when a turn of fortune happened and they they escaped that. They were going back. And, and of course, Tori Kitt, uh, Corrie Tim Boom, she was a woman who had been um, in the concentration camps. And she lived through it. And uh, um, she she said this. She said, If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. And the truth is that both sin and busyness have the exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. Ronald uh, Rollheiser, he wrote this, We are more busy than bad, more distracted than non-spiritual, More interested in the movie theater, the sports stadium, and the shopping mall, and the fantasy life that they produce in us than we are in church. Pathological busyness, distraction, and restlessness are major roadblocks today within our spiritual lives. Let's give a hand to Gloria. Thank you, Gloria, very much. The average American. So this, there's some research. <clears throat> the average American reached 200 to 400 words per minute. Now I wasn't average because when I went to college, uh, I had to be in remedial reading. I think I read 135 with the, the little comprehension. I would just stare at words, <laughs> and then I'd go back to the same word and stare at it again. It was, I, it was just, I, it was tough for me to. But even in in college, I had to learn how to read. I'm a fairly good reader now, but man, it was tough. But let's just say the average, which I'm like way below the average. I was at that point. But the average is like 200, 400 words per minute. At that speed, we could all read 200 books in a year. That's just 417 hours. Sounds like a lot, right? 417. That's over an hour a day. But can you guess how much the average American spends uh, spends on social media? The number is 705 hours. Which I think came out to, uh, if you were to go, a 12-hour period, that was something like 56, 59 days. 56, 59, 12-hour days in social media. It's crazy, huh? Oh, TV, how many hours average a year? 2,737.5. The beginning of the digital age was 2007. Right? iPhone, Facebook, Twitter. Everything started exploding. There's a lot more happened right around 2007. In fact, many believe that people will look back the year 2007 and say that's when the digital age entered in full bloom and everything now is just like you know how it is right oh and more right a recent study found that the average iphone user touches his or her phone 2617 times a day touches it right each user is on his or her phone for two and a half hours over a seventy six over seventy-six sessions. So there are seventy-six sessions, there are two and a half hours. And more. Right? Right? This this is why we, this is why we say we don't have any time. And more. Advertising is literally an attempt to monetize our restlessness. They say we see upward of 4,000 ads a day, all designed to stroke the fire of desire. Right? Buy this, do this, eat this, drink this, have this, watch this, be this. And we say it's not having any effect on us. But if that, at that rate it's all just kind of landing on us all the time, it's having some effect. And besides that, we wake up tired. When asked about the competition from Amazon Prime and other up-and-coming streaming services, Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, Shrugged and said, said this. He says, no, our biggest competition is sleep. Our biggest competition is people's sleep. So, this is our culture. I don't care how Christian you are, how religious you are. You're affected by it. I'm affected by it. So we might as well just say, whoa, what's going on? Right? We say we don't have enough time. Psalm 127, verses 1 through 2, pretty powerful words. Um, I was first introduced to this uh, scripture, which I don't ever remember reading, when my wife one day approached me about my pace. And the scripture goes like this. In the Revised Standard Version, it reads like this. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. And this is the verse I don't remember until she said it. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for the Lord gives to his beloved sleep. That's a little bit of resting right there. Let's just read it together, shall we? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. There's a word that shows up there three times. The word is vain, right? It's in vain. It's in vain. It's in vain. In fact, if you uh, look at the scriptures, it's a word that is predominant at the beginning of the phrases. So it's like, in vain this, in vain that, in vain. Now, notice, none of us want to live in vanity, or for nothing, in emptiness, and futility, or disappointment. But that is what the word means. It means, it means that, for nothing, in emptiness, for, in futility, uh, staging disappointment. It is in vain. It is in vain. The message translation says this. If God doesn't build the house, the builders only build shacks. If God doesn't guard the city, the night watchmen might as well take a nap. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know that he, God, enjoys giving rest to those he loves? Ah, but in our world, the president of Netflix said the biggest competition is sleep. By the way, these, this psalm is in the Psalms of Ascent. The Songs of Ascent. It's for pilgrims who are traveling on their way to feast days, to worship at the temple. So on their way, they're, they're trying to learn to sing what is true. They're trying to learn to say and remind themselves of what is central in their lives. And they're saying, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain, unless the Lord watches over the city, those who stay awake watching it, are you know might as well take a nap <laughs> in vain. You rise up early, which means that in vain. The really the picture there is very uh, like uh, agrarian in a sense. But in vain, you load up the word actually means rise up early. It has loading up the donkey with goods to do the day's work, right? In vain, you rise up early and then come home late, eating eating late, eating late literally, and uh, but eating also the bread of anxious toil. Of anxious toil, eating, consuming, and consuming the bread, the bread of anxious toil, the the hurt that consuming hurtful labor, devouring the toil that devours you, indicating severe emotional distress and anxiety. This is where we, this is where we're going in our culture. Interestingly, <laughs> thousands of years ago. So this, must, this was written. So this must have been a problem for a long time. All right? It's just accelerated in our, in our, uh, in our culture. Don't you know, it could very well be a question. Don't you know that, that he, the Father, loves you? That you're his beloved and he gladly grants you sleep? It's not sleep as the opposite of work. It doesn't say you should sleep instead of work. It says that, that your work should not be harassed by anxiety and a lack of trust. But that instead you should trust him while you work. And then, and I, I like how Eugene Peterson says, in a little book called Working the Angles, he says, but then you should go to bed and sleep. While God works, God works. He never slumbers or sleeps, but you're not to do that. You are to sleep, right? You should go to bed, sleep. And while he works, because he works all through the night, God is. Sometimes I go to bed and say, God, I'm finished. But thankfully, you're not. So would you please keep working here and here and here and here, right? And then when you wake up, then you join with God in what he is already doing. You're not having to jumpstart God's work at the beginning of a new day. You are the object of his affection, the one that he loves, and he loves to give you restorative rest. The voice translation says, God provides for his own. It's pointless to get up early, work hard, and go to bed late, anxiously laboring for food to eat, for God provides for those he loves even while they are sleeping. And the Passion Translation says, it's really senseless to work so hard from early morning to late at night, toiling to make a living for fear. There's the key, right? For fear of not having enough. God can provide for his lovers even while they sleep. Uh, Jesus, he was pretty smart, don't you think? Jesus, fairly insightful into human nature. He watched people, he knew people. Um, he says this, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you, Jesus is saying, not even Solomon, in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what are you going to eat? and What are you going to drink? And what shall we wear? For the pagans... Those who don't know God. Run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. A bit of practical wisdom from Jesus. What this is. Is Jesus called to freedom for us. Therefore I tell you. You know, really, after this teaching, you know what they were saying about after Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where this is located, after Jesus taught, they said, whoa, he speaks like one with authority. Like he wasn't quoting anybody. Like I had to quote people. He was just saying. He was just like he spoke as one with authority, right? And listen, he does speak with authority when he says I tell you therefore do not worry about your life he's speaking into our lives he has a word for us this is Jesus talking to us it's interesting that here he addresses all the three strongholds that we mentioned and and honestly I I identified like in my planning these three strongholds before I came to this passage and how pleased I was to find this here addressed right it says this it says this do not fear don't worry about your life well there's a stronghold of fear right He addresses the stronghold of fear. Don't fear. Don't worry about your life. And yet we go on worrying. He says, do not worry about your life. But what do we do? We just go on worrying. Right? And then he addresses this. The matter of insignificance. And he says, are you not more valuable than they are? The birds of the air, the flowers of the field, the Father takes care of creation. Won't he take care of you? Right? And then against unbelief, that stronghold of unbelief. He says, you have a father in heaven. Why don't you believe this? Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. (laughs) It's so funny. We're talking about digital and, yeah, bless you. I don't know whose phone it is, but bless you. (laughs) It's really funny. (laughs) Do you see? All of these strongholds that, that, that gather around the myth of scarcity, they're, they're in play in our world. Unbelief, insignificance, and fear. We're in a hurry because we don't think we're significant. We don't believe the word of the Father, that he'll take care of us. That he's good. message translation i like how it says this if god gives such attention to the appearances of wildflowers most of which are never even seen don't you think he'll attend to you take pride in you to do his best for you and what i'm trying to do here is to get you to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting that you respond that you so so that you can respond to god's giving people who don't know god and the way he works fuss over these things but you know both god and how he works beautiful word so here what i say to you in light of this is stop running and start seeking the pagans run after all these things but you seek first the kingdom of god you want to know what to do here it is stop running stop running man i find that so i, find that. I'm, I am so addicted to pace Mine isn't always seen on the outside. Mine's mine's on much of mine is on the inside. Just like God is just talking to me about the hurried inside. The hurried inside. But a lot of times it's seen on the outside too, right? It's just I mean, it's just, so stop running and start seeking. The message translation says this. Steep your life in God reality, God's initiative, God's provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. woo All you worked up people. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. He is. So don't run. Don't run. don't. I mean, come on. You, we believe in Christ, then stop acting like pagans, right? You, we believe in Christ, in God, the good Father. And if we do, then let our life reflect that by... Don't run after all these things. Don't run. The, key, the word is not don't work, you need to work, but don't run, don't be anxious about it. Don't try to fill the void of value by these, by things, but by your relationship with God. Don't try, don't, don't, don't try to run in unbelief. Instead, believe God is a good father, right? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Every, everywhere I turn is, is some, something that is stirring up fear. And anxiety. So slow down. It's this, this going to be some of the hardest stuff you'll ever do in your life. Think more deeply. Think. Put on the mind of Christ. Think more deeply. Don't just rush through life skimming the surface of your relationships with God and with the others. In the words of Charles Hummel, there's enough time today to do the whole will of God for today. At some point, we should breathe a sigh of relief. Amen? John Mark Homer said that there's a, a finished proverb that so elo- eloquently says, or quips this, God did not create hurry. This new speed of life isn't Christian, it's Antichrist. Just think about it. What's the highest value in Christ's kingdom economy? It is this, love. Jesus made it crystal clear. He said, The greatest command of all was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your passion, with all your strength, with all your mind, followed by love your neighbor as yourself. And then he makes this point. It's so good. But love is painfully time-consuming. All parents know this, as do all lovers and most long-term friends. Hurry and love are incompatible. All my worst moments as a father, a husband, and a pastor, even as a human being, are when I'm in a hurry. (laughs) I was in a hurry one time as a young seminarian student, newly married, trying to earn a living. I was in such a hurry, I ran over a fire hydrant. Bent the whole thing. I was a gardener, I was a gardener, I I was a gardener in a rich area of town in Mission, Kansas. It was a spectacular moment when with my 67 Mustang,
1: <laughs> I ran over a fire hydrant,
0: bent it way over. It didn't spew. Thanks be to Jesus. They just had to shut down all the water in all of the upscale homes in the entire neighborhood to get it fixed. Hurry. A lot of bad things happen when you hurry. Hurry on your way to work. Hurry, get in this dadgum car. Although you use other words, don't you? We're in a hurry. We got to go. We got to go worship God. Now get in the car. If you kids don't get along, I'm going to. Oh, oh my goodness. When we're in a hurry, we haven't listened. We haven't taken time to listen to our spouses, we haven't taken time to listen to one another. We're just rushing. We're just hurrying, everything, skimming on the surface. Where are we going? What are we trying to fill? And When it all comes down to it, we end up saying, I just don't have enough time for God. I don't even have enough time for you, God. Can't slow down, can't listen. I'm not seeking first the kingdom. And so we're in a great danger saying to God, we don't have enough time While well, all the time giving 30 hours a week to things like TV and Internet. I'm sorry, I'm going to meddle. Jesus gets into our business here while giving 30 hours a week to TV, Internet, social media, fantasy football, anything that the culture says we need to do to be in. But Jesus gives us an invitation. One, our hearts longs for, Steep your life in God's kingdom. Don't worry about missing out. You will find all your everyday human needs and concerns met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when, they, when, they, when the time comes. So, here's some practical applications. We're actually creating Wednesdays as a time of prayer with fasting. An opportunity to slow down. Pay attention. Take a meal, set it aside, and just pay attention to God. Go over this passage, over these scriptures. They're in your You version. You can find them in your program. Go over these passages and say, God, teach me what this means. Right? Teach me for my life what this means. There are prayer gatherings. An opportunity, we might say, to recreate or re-architect your life around the priority of becoming an apprentice of Jesus. Next, time, next week, we're going to talk about that when Jesus says, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that you and I can have capacity for more unified involvement with Jesus as his followers. I suggest that there be times that you put your cell phone, your computer to rest so you can rest. Question your habits of preoccupation, social media, television, screen time. Pay attention to the hurry inside. Pay attention to the discontentment that's screaming out from within you when you deprive yourself of some of this surface activity. Believe you me, your insides will scream to meet its addiction, to the phone, to the computer, right, to the web. Make your fears submit to Jesus' word. Do not be anxious about your life. When Jesus doesn't feel enough, then repent of your sin of unbelief and faithlessness. Crucify your desires that call out for anything that does an end run around God and causes you to place Jesus to the side. He's getting in our business, isn't he? (laughs) I'm so sorry about this day. Not really. It's what I need. You were made for more. For more of what? Not for more consumerism, more stuff, not for more just, you know. You were made for more of God. You were made for more of Christ's kingdom. You were made more for what the kingdom brings righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, liberation from what binds you, intimacy with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You were made for more deep and rewarding fellowship with one another, for more healing into your life, more deliverance from what would bind you up and crush your joy, more courage to step out and do what Jesus would do, more purpose, and you were made for more glory to experience more of the glory of Christ so that you, as one created in the image of God, would begin to reflect the fulfillment and joy that is in God himself. So, we need breakthroughs, right? Breakthroughs. So that we don't just feel like I don't have enough time. That is a myth. (laughs) But it's real enough to kill your relationship with God and your relationship with others. And to take you out of the game of being a servant of Christ to advance the good news of the kingdom of God across the planet. So let's pray. Thank you for the invitation, Jesus, to follow you. We are, we are so, I am often so preoccupied. We often are, are panting, our souls are, are, are panting. Not because we're panting after you, but because we're just, we're just exhausted from running. We're on this merry-go-round. I hate merry-go-rounds. But we're on this merry-go-round, and we don't know how to get off. We don't even know how to answer the practical questions. Then what am I going to do with all that I have to do? But would you teach us? Would we not just come here and sit and say, oh, okay, I'll go do one or two things. Maybe help us to lean into you. And we ask you, Jesus, teach us, train our hearts in a new way so that we're not like those who don't even know you, but that we are those who know you and that you call us beloved and you give to your beloved rest. Thank you, Lord so that we may become available to you for however you want to use us at any given time, on any given day. Thank you, Father. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is a really good sermon, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. I know because, man, the finger's pointing right here. So I just go, really. Really. Man, so we're in this together, right? So let's just be in this. Let's figure this out. Let's tell each other what we're learning. Let's repent a lot because we have given the enemy a lot of freedom to move around in our lives.